I've been told to start preaching. And the pulpit says, preach it. So I better. Just says it right here. So you're up next, Larry. Um, all right. It's a privilege to speak on this passage. It's actually um, a bit scary, really, because it's such a... Um, just such a massive thing that happens, isn't it? It's uh, inexplicable and um, and just so significant for us when we look back on the things Jesus did and the consequence of this particular moment. It's huge. It's a big, big deal. So um, what I want to start with is just a question. I just want to ask whether you've argued with God, whether you've argued with God. And I think most of us are nodding straight away. Um, for me at the moment, I, I feel like it's a daily occurrence. Um, I think that's, it's a daily occurrence for all of us, really, if we think about what it means to follow Jesus and, and kind of our ideas of what life should be like and what we should be doing in our day um, compared to Jesus' ideas. They don't always line up and then we sit and we spend time in God's presence again, realizing his truth, realizing what he did, um, realizing his love for us. And we go, oh, I, I just need to stop fighting. <laughs> and, that, and you enjoy it and you really do uh, experience this abundant life that Darcy talked about last week. This John 10.10 idea of life to the full, it's, it's real and um, it's the experience of so many people in this room so what's this passage about then is it about arguing it's about paradigms actually i think it's about how we struggle to cope with god's uh, paradigm being different to ours um, and so it is it's about people arguing with jesus it's also about priorities and uh, we get to look at what matters to jesus uh, compared to what matters to us we get to think about who we are and who Jesus is. So that's this passage. Um, but there's a, big, there's a big thing in this passage that seems uh, very, very important to say at the start. It's about hope. It's about hope in Jesus. He says he's the resurrection and the life. And so I want to unpack the bigger picture that we are in. Well, the, his bigger picture that we fit into and, and sort, of, sort of contrast that against our picture that we try and fit Jesus into. Because that's what people are doing the whole way through this passage. So I'll get you to ha have your Bible open from the start. Because I, <coughs> I use a fair bit in that first sort of um, little section that we didn't read out tonight. But um, you'll just have to jump around with me. And I've, I've got a few slides that should hopefully help. But what's really important for this passage to get the, the weight that it's, it's due in our minds. Now, we've got to think about where it sits in this book of John. It's on the back of a run of miracles and signs. Um, and John writes later in the book that these are just a few. They're not all of them. And um, he's, he's picked this handful. Um, and I'll, I'll read you that little verse a bit later. But it's, it's crazy to think of all the things he's been doing in John. He's turned water to wine as the opener. Um, he's healed a paralyzed man. He's fed 5,000 people with hardly any food to start with. You know these miracles we've talked through over the last sort of 
month or two. But this miracle is unquestionably the biggest one, the most shopping, shocking one, the most confronting one. And it's not the only time in the Bible where someone's raised from death to life. And if that's a, a crazy thought, um, look it up. There's a handful. And this one, out of, out of all of them, stands out to me because this guy was dead for four days. Now, as a modern um, uh, have a crack sort of first aid guy, I know that four days is enough <laughs> time to be properly dead, <laughs> you know. Um, but if I look back and there's a, and there's people getting raised to life within a couple of days, you think, ah, oh, yeah, but probably just did CPR. I didn't know it was called CPR yet. This one was not that at all. There's no chance of it. Um, he was dead for four days. He was actually in a tomb already. The the culture of the day and the practices of the day and the climate where they are meant that they would put people in tombs or in the dirt. They'd bury them within a day, on the day of. They'd, they'd wrap them up, put some spices on them just to stop the smell and um, or just to try and help the smell, but not to preserve the body. And they would do that within a day. So within four days, you know for sure this guy is dead. Um, another thing about this passage, it's on the back of a run of incredible claims, these blasphemous claims. And Jesus is going to these crazy populated busy places and saying crazy things, saying, I am the thing you're celebrating now, all these religious festivals that they're doing. And he's, he's turning up and saying, no, I'm, I'm that. So he said, Things like, I'm the Messiah, I'm the bread of life, I'm the light of the world. Before, before Abraham was born, I am. All these crazy things. And he's actually uh, getting his life threatened for it. So people are trying to kill him. That's where we are in this book of John. They're trying to kill him. They've tried to throw rocks at him to kill him. And so where he is when this happens is about, <clears throat> it's about 20 miles away. That was the best sort of I could guesstimate because it doesn't say exactly but he's on the other side of the river jordan um and he's he's uh he's there during hanukkah so it's this this big festival that goes for about eight days and so it's called the feast of dedication and it's it's um it's a really really busy time and a lot of people are coming through the area and going to jerusalem and he's hanging back in this safe space because he knows they're going to try and kill him. So it's a long way away. That's the situation. So what's going on then? What actually happens in this passage? Let's get into it. There's only a couple of main points I'm going to unpack. Literally two. There's only two. And I was chatting with Tim before, and I feel like this passage is so um, so dense. We could We could come back to it for... 10 weeks in a row, just this one passage. So, so I'm just picking two things that really stood out to me uh, as we read it. The first thing is that Jesus' decisions don't make sense to us. They just don't make sense to us. I want to I just sit on that for a minute. I want to 
compare um, two groups of people who were there at the time um, who were scratching their head and really struggling with with uh, really struggling with his decisions about lost myself there anyway first group are his disciples all right here's what happens his friends send word that his good mate Lazarus is sick that's a big deal come back to that in a second but that's a long way away right they've sent a long message to get there so you tell you tell you tell you tell you tell you and make sure Jesus finds out that that Lazarus is sick and he doesn't go so it's a big deal for him to be told in the first place and then Jesus doesn't go and the first group I want to look at just briefly are his disciples I mean that's that's something they're probably happy with right they're thinking yeah Jesus you made a good call He's made a sensible call. He's got this big game plan and this is the way, Jesus, to take over the world because if you go back now, you're going to get stoned. And then two days later, he changes his mind and says, right, we're going back. And his disciples look at him. They literally uh, shake their head at him and say, um, but you were just there and they tried to kill you. It doesn't make sense to them. The Jordan, where they were, was a safe place to be. And I think we can all relate to that. I think we can all relate to it. I think if Jesus was, was in our church gathering now and we, we had some concept of his, of his bigger plan to save humanity, we, w- we would have been trying to stop him from getting killed too. Hey, I think, I think that's what would happen. So he surprises his disciples and goes, no, we're going back. The next group is the group we've really got to unpack, and they're his friends. With that same decision to stay for two days and then go, go back, his friends are feeling a whole bunch of different feelings, right? See, they know that he would know it's serious because they wouldn't bother to send word for him if he, was just, just got, if he just had a flu, Remember, Jesus for them is the guy who has been going around healing people. He's their famous friend. He's, he's the one they want to call a favor in on. This is the time. Jesus is dying. And, and they, they're expecting him to most likely drop everything and come. And he just doesn't. He actually stays two more days. And they would have heard about that. They would have known about that. So you've got the disciples kind of happy. All right, Jesus is finally doing something sensible. They won't get him killed. And then his friends are saying, now's the time. He's been so willing to, to risk life and limb before, and now he's not. His friends must have been shocked. And I think that's important for us to, to sit in ourselves. How would we feel if that was the case? I think we do actually ask God for help in these heavy times. And it's like there's crickets. We don't know. We don't know why he's not with us, doing something right here, right now. Why isn't he coming? So surely they're thinking our brother is dying. Now is when we need you. I think we've all been in times like that. I think some of us are in times like that more than at other times in our life right now. 
But I think <clears throat> there's, there's this beautiful method in, in the madness, so to speak. And it's not madness at all. It's just a beautiful thing. We'll get to it later. So there's another thing that his friends would have been feeling. And that's that his, uh, his words, the things he's saying are almost impossible to understand. Like out of empathy anyway. You know when something bad happens? When there's a, there's a, a pear-shaped moment in life and someone says, it's all part of God's plan, it's okay. It's cold comfort in the moment. Um, we struggle with that. We, we wrestle with God over that. We argue with God over that. And I think if we're, if we're still working out our faith, we're, we're thinking, hold on, how the heck can that be God? How, how could God be there? And we argue with him. Okay, hold that. Giving you a few thoughts here, just hold them. Uh, next thing is we see the disappointment uh, in, the, in uh, the two ladies, in Mary and Martha, the, the sisters of Lazarus, Lazarus. So we know they're his good friends. We know that, that uh, they would have done life together. They're close. And um, Martha comes out first in verse 21. Oh, hold on. I didn't actually read the verse from before, did I, Maddie? All right, pause. Hold up. Just on this last point about struggling and arguing with God, it's important that we read verse 4. It'll come up on the screen, though. This sickness will not end in death, is what Jesus says. No, no. It is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. At the time, the ladies would have heard that he said that and they would have been scratching their head and saying, how is this for God's glory? How is this for the glory of the Son? This isn't right. Okay, so hopefully you can grab that and put it back where that other thought was. So we've got a few thoughts happening. All right, moving back to the disappointment that we see in the ladies. Martha goes out first to see him. See, he, he does the trek with the disciples. Uh, they, they walk in daylight, even though they're thinking that's a bad idea, Jesus. They walk in daylight. And Jesus is, is there on the outskirts. He's, he's, he's still sort of hedging his bets safety-wise. He knows that if he goes into broad, public sp- broad daylight public spaces, it's going to escalate his... Uh, capture and whatnot so he stays on the outskirts and the ladies come out to see him and Martha comes out first and she says in verse 21 if you had been here my brother would not have died but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask she's pleading she's pleading with Jesus that why weren't you here if you were here you wouldn't have died but even now, please, please consider it. Please, Jesus. And then later on, her sister comes out too. Because Jesus doesn't do it. This is the whole thing about um, Jesus disappointing people here in this passage. His decisions don't make sense. So read verse 32. Then, his sis- then her sister comes out and she says... When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. So, this is the situation. And I think 
if we can try and make sense of it now for us, um, let's consider the gravity of it. When you think of the, the close friendship that, that is mentioned in the, in the passage here, you're thinking of, of people you've done life with. Um, I know Tim and Deb just went up to Yamba, hung out with a bunch of people camping. And when you, when you go camping, when you go on trips, uh, when you have barbecues, when you, when you have laughter, when you have difficulty together, when you do these things together, you, you build this closeness. You build, um, you build a relationship that you feel is, is so special. And that's what they had. So we can, we can, it's probably safe to assume they, they've done those kind of things. What do you do to get close to people here in Coffs? I know what I do. I go drive the car on the beach <laughs> with someone. <laughs> it just works because we get in the ocean and find waves and things like that. But, but those things put memories in the bank and you've, you've got this, this big cache of memories to draw on in the future and it builds closeness. So... As a community here at Anchor, we've got these things happening too. Um, we've, got, we've got people in our church with heavy diagnoses. We've got people in our families with heavy diagnoses. Things are not right at the moment. And we've got friends with... with Laura and I got a friend with a five-year-old who's just starting chemo again. We've got relationships starting and ending. We've got jobs um, where people are having to move town to take up this new position having to go to Sydney we've got hailstorms just after Jared just after sorry not Jared after Jake pimped up his car where are you Baz he's just just got his car sorted and then the hailstorm comes and it's trashed and insurance isn't going to cover it we've got <laughs> we've got Renos <laughs> we've got Renos that also can't continue and um We've got roofs that were fixed beforehand and they're, and they're needing to get fixed up again now. So we say to God, that's not the plan. It's not the plan, God. I think they were saying that too. I think they were wanting Jesus to be that guy who, who went around and did miracles and, and would turn up and do it for them now. And so I think that, that first point, Jesus wasn't doing it. His, his decisions didn't make sense. His decisions don't make sense to us. In the moment anyway. What's more, Jesus' words don't even make sense to his disciples. If you look at uh, verse 11 and 12, it's just a, um, it's kind of, in hindsight, it's kind of an interesting thing because Jesus says, uh, Lord, uh, sorry, his disciples say, um, oh no, hold on, I think this is Jesus, yeah. After he had said this, I took the red, the red lettering out, so I'm trying to work out who's saying what. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. And Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. It's this biblical concept that's actually pretty common through the, through the word, the idea of death being asleep. And uh, they, they couldn't see that at the time. And so everything he's saying is not making sense. Everything he's doing is not making sense. It's just like what we go through, hey? So I think the point here is 
people don't agree with him and they don't understand and his paradigm is totally different. And even coming to this passage, we, we come to it with that memory of it being that cool story I heard when I was a kid. Yeah, that's right, the Lazarus story. He brought someone back from death to life. And, um, and actually, Jesus' whole paradigm in the story is totally different to that. So let's look at what mattered most to him. This is the second, my second sort of half of the talk, if you like. We've got to look at what matters most to Jesus. And in this whole passage, it's so clear that as compared to physical life, physical health, what matters to Jesus is us seeing him for who he really is. He uses this whole thing, this whole uh, moment, to just try and help people understand who he really is. And um, he seems to be caring way less about Lazarus' physical life than about the state, than he was about the state of their belief, their hope, their trust in him. And everyone's getting carried away in anger and disappointment and frustration with him because he's, He's not dealing with the physical. And, he's, and Jesus is just using this whole thing to go, hey, it's, it's not the physical that matters as much. It just, it just rates here in the scheme of how much I love you and how much I've done, I'm going to do for you. Um, Jesus is caring about the, the, the ability of people to believe in him. And he uses this as a moment to do that. Let's just have a look at how we, how we see that, eh? We see it in verse 23 to 27. I want to read that. Um, and then we, we do probably need to sidestep for a moment and just talk about this resurrection concept. Um, so 23 to 27, Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, Sorry, her tone was probably a lot more angry than that. Uh, Jesus said to her, I'm the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you're the Messiah, the Son of God who is to come into the world. See, for Martha, she thinks... Jesus is talking about the Jewish belief in the resurrection. So let's just unpack that for a moment so it kind of makes sense in the context of this whole beautiful truth that Jesus brings. The Jewish belief in the resurrection was based on um, thousands of years of, of, of mentioning of life after death, um, of new life, from people like Job and Isaiah, it's written in Hosea too, um, and Daniel, the prophet Daniel, I think about 500 years prior to this moment, clarifies it and distills it. And it's something the Jews at the time held tightly to. And actually, so should we, Christians should too. It's written here in Daniel 12 too, Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, 
others to shame and everlasting contempt. Haven't put it up there because it's it's just about uh, understanding this, the background to this belief. But it's also written in uh, 1 Corinthians 15. There's a whole chapter on it, on the importance of us believing in the resurrection. And and I think that's a whole other message for a whole other um, day from someone who's studied it way more than I have. But the reality of the resurrection is something we can actually find hope in. There's, it's a cool thing. He's, he's going to um, bring new life to all of the dead um, and work out uh, who's with him and who's not. I'll read it again. Daniel 12, 2. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. Big idea, but a big, um, a big truth that Martha thought this was all about. And you know what Jesus was saying in the moment when he says, Martha, I'm the resurrection and the life? You know what he's saying? He's just saying, I'm what you're waiting for. I'm going to make that happen. I'm the source of that. I'm life. I am the resurrection. It's, it's going to be me. On that day. But I don't think it's the main thing um, that Jesus is trying to do there anyway. He's trying to he's trying to clarify her thinking there. But what I'm seeing is I'm seeing him caring way more about her believing that he's the one, about her hoping in him, about Martha being able to see him for who he really is. I'm actually seeing him caring way more for her, uh, her ability to have that life with him than I, than I am about her having this theological understanding down pat perfectly. So it's important that we understand the context there, but Jesus is talking about himself in that, in that phrase, a beautiful thing. I'm the resurrection and the life. I'm the guy who gives life, the life. The guy responsible for the resurrection you're waiting for. All right. So if you're still with me, I just want to look at her response. She, she, he says to her, do you believe? And the thing with Martha at the time is she hadn't actually seen Jesus raise Lazarus yet. He hadn't. She, he was still dead in, in her thinking. And she says, yeah, I believe. I believe you're the Messiah. And um, we're not there in that era right now. We're not there at that time. We're not seeing with our own eyes Lazarus get raised. And we've got we to ask that question too. We've got to let Jesus ask us that question too. Do, do you believe? Do I believe? And um, we've got we to recognize that we're all Martha in that wrestle in our day-to-day doubts. Because she would have had a stack more, I think, than I do most of the time in that particular moment. All right. A few other, few other ways we see Jesus seeming to care way more about our, about our and their eternal um, life than about Lazarus' physical life. 
Um, we see it in his words to the disciple, to the disciples. Verse fourteen. They're not getting it, so he said. It says so. He told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake, I'm glad that I was not there, so that you may believe. We also see it in his prayer. Um, at the moment when he raises Lazarus from the dead, verse forty-one to forty-two. Says, so they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. It's like all he cares about is everybody seeing what's happening and going, I'm the resurrection and the life. You just got to have hope in me. He's using this and it's tough. Because he's taken time that's hurt people. And he's allowed illness that's hurt people. He's allowed disappointment that's hurt people. And his goal in it is, is to use that so that people might see him for who he really is. And I think that's what's happened for each of us. If you're following Jesus, you've recognized, oh yeah, he is who he said he was. And... Um, Jesus knows that seeing him is all that we need to be able to do for eternal life. Um, I've heard a few messages on this topic and these, it's, it's hard not to see how amazing this truth is. And if you're, if you're um, struggling in your faith in Christ at the moment, this is the beautiful reality. In John 17.3, this is eternal life that they may know you. It's knowing Jesus. And John twenty thirty one, John explains why he chose those miracles and not others to put in the book. And he's, he wrote, So that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah and that by believing you may have life in his name. It's that simple. And Jesus wants everybody to not get hung up on the things that are so hard right now. For the sake of seeing what is lasting forever in uh, believing in him. Beautiful thing. So do you see his priority? Can you see that? It's all so that we might believe. And then he goes on and does it. He raises Lazarus to life in a way that was just crazily recognized by everyone in the region. So much so that it leads him to death. It's the moment, it's the catalyst miracle that gets them to start properly planning this thing. He doesn't, doesn't go to the cross the next day, but it's the, it's the moment, if you read on, where they start to go, well, this, this can't happen. Because word would have spread. When they're mourning in the Israelites, or sorry, in the Jewish tradition, there's a stack of people at the house. And... It's a feast time, remember? There are people everywhere. And so word spread really quickly and it went straight to the authorities and the authorities are, are done. We're going to kill this guy. And Jesus did it so that people would realize that he is the one. He is the resurrection. He is the life. Um, best part too, he then goes on and gets himself up from the grave three days after, <laughs> after dying. You know, I think when we look back, 
we've got to ask the question, do we believe? And when you see this, you think, how can I not? Um, how can I not? So what's the upshot? What, is it, what does it all mean for us? How do we, how do we uh, draw on this? I think, I think we've got to recognise that in the day-to-day, um, we, we just want more day-to-days. Um, we like our successes and things here uh, in our physical life. We, lo- we like our good times. And so we want more of them. We want more days. We want more time with our family and friends. And we want people we love to have more. Lazarus was dying early. It's not... That didn't make sense. But for Jesus, what we've got to remember, what we've got to draw on is that actual physical death for him is, is just, it's just not the main thing because he knows it's temporary and life with him is forever. It's this beautiful reality. Us knowing him, us seeing him, our belief in him, being with him forever. So who are we in the story? I think it's, it's cool to recognize this because I think we can already see who we are in the story, but it's important to point it out. I think we're firstly, we're the arguers. We're the pe- in this room, there are people who've known him, known Jesus for a long time. They've got this same deep, rich, personal uh, journey. A lot of cool stories, a lot of good times, a lot of hard times. And, and we want to argue with him because it's hard but we're also the onlookers all of those around being faced with the reality of this man with power over life and death itself so we are both and we all have to respond um one one uh reference from last week's passage that darcy preached on i I, um i think it's john 10 16 talks about jesus um jesus voice and and his sheep hearing the voice and the the sheep from lots of pens are going to end up hearing his voice it's the idea because darcy was talking about how he jumped through a a a fence and walked through a gate left the gate open number one rule Um, don't leave the gate open if it's not already open so he's, he's left his gate open sheep's going everywhere but jesus wants uh, all of us to be able to believe and it's this idea of there being um, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen I must bring them also it's for whoever believes so I think as we as we go into the week we just got to uh, we want to ask whether we're going to believe like Martha when all seems lost we believe that to God our relationship with him is far bigger than the pain we're in. Will we do as Jesus did and treat our relationship with him as more important than our physical life? Will we trust him with his plan when his answers and his timing don't make sense with school, work, family, health, Travel plans? Are we willing to have our perspective challenged and changed and shaped by his, his story? Are we willing to 
to believe like Martha did, even though she hadn't seen him raise him yet. She, she said, yeah, I believe. And Jesus did it so that other people would believe too. Um, are we willing to let his story unfold in our life here in Coffs, in our marriage, in our, in our families and in our workplace? And this is, the, this is the clincher, this is the hard one. Will we consider that his timing could be so that others might see him? All right, I'm going to pray. Lord God, thank you so much. Jesus, thanks for, uh, for shaking us into um, being able to see who you really are. Give us the, f- the faith, the ability to um, just step out. Thank you that you do that. Um, help us to just follow you and trust you. Amen.